Welcome back to This Is Hardcore Podcast. You just heard Pain Clinic going into business for yourself. Holy shit. Western fucking PA Hardcore representing Pittsburgh shit. Ty motherfucking Dawson holding it the fuck down. Love the fucking dude. Uh, part of the Code Orange gang, part of the um, whole crew that comes with AJ and the Preserving Underground. One of the most fantastic people in hardcore fronting a hard-ass band like Pain Clinic. You're going to have an opportunity to see them in Philadelphia the weekend of March 23rd, 24th. we talk about it a little bit later on as part of the From Within Plead UK Showcase. We're going to have some show nights. Check it out. Pain Clinic. Ugh, pain clinic. I don't know why that was a tongue teaser for me. Yeah, I got to set the track and um, been waiting a week or so. But talking about Keystone Jam, might as well pop pain clinic. Another PA hardcore uh, band popping up. Can't wait to see them. So support them. Philadelphia hardcore really has some cool shit always going on. Not just because of me, not just because of Bob, but also AXBX and Ben Stuckey. And also other promoters, R5 Productions. Uh, you can always find ourselves on Philly Hardcore Shows. These are the shows that we primarily promote, but Philly is blessed. Chris X, obviously, also involved. Um, so here we go. 2.12, or no, what, what am I, I can't remember, right? <laughs> it's so retarded that I can't read the, the right way. Um, December 2nd, Downhill. The Queens Gilly teamed 10 Slugs, Bleed from New Jersey, and Drill Tusk. This is at the Yard at Ambler. The Yard's got some cool shows. Make sure you step up, step out, go check that out. That is Friday night. Saturday is the show in Long Island that Greg will talk about with Leeway and Hold My Own and whatever. Um... But yeah, the the show Saturday is in Long Island AMH. Our boy Sharky's doing it, and then um, no um, December seventh at the Yard is Cycle Abuse, Cemented in Fear, Two Piece Delusion, and Shot Out. Big shout out to Young Kareem for pulling out a new band from Philly. Shot Out, love to get some songs by them up, and then this show's about to sell out for those of you who are. Unaware, Loathe, Static Dress, Amirta, and Unity TX are playing Tuesday, December 13th at Underground Arts. The show's almost sold out. If you want to check it out, it's going to be fucking sick. And then the show we're talking about tonight, obviously, on the show is Club Reverb, December 17th, Keystone Jam. You'll hear more about it later on the show. And then the next day is Chromag's Why Die? Without Peace and uh, Battalion Zaska. That's at the Underground Arts. It's going to be a cool show. We have the Chisel, which I, I do bring up in this podcast, but I'll go back over. The Chisel's coming through. We're going to have them at Club Reverb, but we have Sheer Terror. This is Saturday, January 14th. We've got Sheer Terror, the Chisel. Wisdom is doing a Blood for Blood only set. Violent Way from Buffalo's coming down. Ended from Baltimore's coming up. Barry Dream from Boston, The Fight from Long Island, and Please Die. January 14th. Don't miss this one. Tickets are going for that. 
It's in Reading, Pennsylvania. Big club, lots of bands. Going to be a sick, great spot, great way to start. And obviously, I skipped over this, but if you didn't know, sold out January 7 through 9 is FYA, and we're going to be doing some talking about FYA with Bobby in the next couple weeks. Check that out. Um, lots of shows that we could talk about. Some we can't just yet, just because they're in the um, online stage or not quite totally there. We have a show Bob's putting it on with, just got announced with Tsunami and Spy. You can get that, you can get your link for that. The weekend that Lennon and uh, our friend Carter, they do From Within and Plead Your Case. Wild weekend. I mean, that lineup specifically. Two days. Awesome shows. You'll be able to buy a bunch of cool shit. And that's in that's in late March. The Hardcore Pride weekend at the FU Church. Friday. The 24th, it's Gridiron Magnitude, Simulacra, Adrian, Moment of Truth, Never Again, and Statement of Pride. The Saturday is a 4 p.m. show. Mind Force, C to Pain, Point of Contact, Be All, End All, Live It Down, Chemical Fix, Carbonite, Almighty Watching, Burn Strong, Wreckage, and Pain Clinic. Jesus Christ, and you know, we just heard Pain Clinic for the first time on the show. You gotta check them out. There'll be a Hardcore Pride flea market starting Saturday at noon. Uh, B, obviously, Triple B Records Days, Streets of Hate, From Within, Young Blood, Scheme, and more. You get weekend passes and everything. There'll be um, links up on the website. Make sure to support that. So much cool shit. I just wanted to give you some pop and say, hey, lots of cool shit. I also, because we're talking about Philly stuff, tragically, Matt Summers was injured. Matt Summers, the singer of Shark Attack, um, 90s hardcore kid. Very well known in the Philadelphia bar scene for being a bartender and being in that whole world. He was really fucking hurt. There's a GoFundMe. And um, I was told February 4th is going to be an amazing benefit show in the works in Philadelphia. So make sure that you check that out. And of course, the shows are sold out, but we have got two sold out um, GB shows at the end of February. So much more coming. Philadelphia Hardcore. Always and forever on top. Philly shows, phillyhardcoreshows.com, H at phillyhcshows.com. You can see where my fucking head's at today. You know, the thing that made me really want to have an episode where we just talk about the Keystone Jam is just because it's a lot of fun. I want my friends and people who I love in the room, but I also want people who may be just looking at a flyer. You know, sometimes... When you look at a flyer, you don't absorb the, the mirth, merriment, the environment. And I was hoping to have a podcast where we kind of get into like some of the funness, some of the jokes. And that's what a lot of this is, me and Greg going back and forth and joking um, and telling good stories about the people in the bands. But Keystone Jam is a lot more. You know, hardcore has always been a family, despite... People want to say otherwise. It's always been focused on the community. And with so many people not having these traditional bonds with their own family, we give the opportunity for people to get together with people they love, see old friends, enjoy the band, and just smile and laugh. The vibes of Keystone Jam have never been anything but super fucking positive. Like, literally super fucking positive. 
And that's really how I feel. I really feel like we specifically did the best we could to pull this out, to pull this off. Um, you know, this shit, to me, we talked about this literally 40 episodes ago, Keystone Jam last year. And so, it's crazy to be back. For me, um, you know, we did two Keystone Jams. Then we hadn't did one in for a while. Then we pulled it back. And the last ones have just been fucking so much fucking fun to do. You know, we're lucky for what we have in the venue that Chris owns. We're lucky for the ability to have people travel all over. And we also have just a great hardcore scene in Pennsylvania and in the tri-state area to be able to pull these kind of bills off of. And so it's important to me to talk about this. And um, who better than Greg Falchetto to talk about it with? So here we fucking go. So, with me today to help talk about this Keystone Hardcore Jam, my brother from another mother, the original road dog, Mr. Greg Falchetto, now of the multi-state, multi-time zone known band, Hold My Own. Greg also holds a prestigious position as this is hardcore stage manager and forever all time shadow round roadie. Greg, thank you for coming on to talk about the Keystone Jam. Absolute pleasure. You like Glad those accolades? Oh, they get better and better every time. That's why I keep coming back. Hype me up a little bit, you know? No, we got to hype you up. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Greg is in the band Hole My Own, even though I just said that. And, uh, just under two months ago, we got the chance to hang out in the sunny state of Florida or hold my own in Shattered Realm. Played some cool-ass shows. Got to play with Combust. Got to go back to the old days of farting in bathtubs and being out all night and wiling out, and it was a blast, right? Yeah, and I will say that uh, South Florida show for Shattered Realm might be Crazy Shadow Realm show I've seen since 2005. You know, they it takes really, the cake. They really said, you know what? You're coming all the way down here. Let's actually go off like a Shadow Realm show. I mean, when you see the couch get full on picked up and thrown within the first open note of the set, you know shit's about to get wild. Yeah. I uh, much love the Jeffy. I much love the South Florida. They... uh. I know with the internet and the TikToking and the this and that, you can't always throw couches at people, but why not, right? If there, if it's there, throw it at someone. It's only appropriate. And uh, for me, it, it brought me back to being a kid, jumping in a van and just driving all night with you when we go out to Chicago and shit like that. And it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to hang out with the boys, play some shows and just kind of get that feel to kind of go from being like, Joe Hargore, the promoter, older guy who just shows up, make sure the bands have a good time and get paid and go sit and lay in bed to 
No, we're hanging out till fucking one in the morning at a fucking random ass Applebee's while in the fuck out in what do you call that? Like I wonder was that Northern Florida? Panhandle yeah, Florida? Ta- yeah, Panhandle, Tallahassee. Ooh, no, yeah, that was Tallahassee. It's like, you know, like also it was kind of a cool spectrum of shows. We played at uh, a hall show first, then one of them cool kind of like punk rock club venues that like I wish we had here. Then obviously the South Florida show was in the weirdest place. It's like a hookah slash like dance bar, but they have a crazy stage in a strip mall in South Florida. And then the next day we played in basically like a biker bar in the weirdest part of Tampa I've ever been to. Yeah, but there's a Wawa across the street, which was sick. Yo, let's talk about how the handicapped bathroom in the men's room was literally 70% of the men's the bathroom. It's like whoever whoever was the <laughs> yeah. architect, whoever was the architect was like, yo, let's make an entire backstage for the fucking handicapped shitter. It was one stall. It was one stall and like four urinals, which was crazy because it was it was literally half of the bathroom was this one stall. It was the weirdest non-union build in my entire life. And I was like, yo. And it also, I mean, like, not that Wawa's are getting nicer here, but like that was some dirgy shit for the middle of nowhere, Tampa. For sure. And it was like that that stall was long. So I could put on like Billy Club sandwich and practice my cartwheels all day. Yeah, you literally could have a whole mosh <laughs> practice to your lonesome in there. <laughs> so fucking Pretty sick. But yeah, um, so the purpose for us is to kind of go back and forth, chat chat it up a bit about the Keystone Jam, refresh people's memories or just talk some shit. And instead of me doing a completely solo, John, I wanted to bring my friend on so we could have a good time. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure in case um, people listening don't realize is like, you know, you not only doing shows for so long and playing shows for so long but you know like you have a very good ear and you know you were responsible for reviving the back to school jam stuff that pike started back in the 2000s you've always lent a hand to me you've always lent a hand to bob with his shows so like you're kind of a professional you're one because say you're a, an excellent consultant i'll take that i like that consultant yeah, you know, adds a little prestige. You know, you could put that on the, the card, consultant, fest consultant. I like it. I'll take and one it. Of the, and one of the cool things that, you know, we all kind of do is like when a new fest gets announced, we all kind of go back and forth and chat about if we like the lineup or the bands or we thought there were some mistakes. So it's always fun. And so you're not just a friend, but you actually are a, a so, um, accredited festival booker, show runner. And now you're in another band who somehow manages to be a thousand miles away from each other and has played more than some of the East Coast bands do, including the fact that you are actually playing this fucking Sunday in Long Island with dudes who are almost all from Chicago, correct? Yes, Saturday we're playing Long Island with uh, Leeway and Sector. Oh, it's a Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Because Sunday we're getting we're getting lunch Saturday, Sunday, right? We are getting lunch Sunday. You are correct yeah. once again. Um, crazy times, man. Absolutely fucking crazy times. Okay. Um, I don't think you're hip to these dudes because they're they're fairly new. This is that band from the uh, northwest of Indiana. Days Lost. Do you even pop them on? Do you know them because of uh, the Sector MH gang? Like, 
do you have any info with them dudes or no? Yeah, Hold My Own actually just played uh, the Acts Like You Know Fest after show in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Days Lost played. And and they were awesome. There's Matt from Purgatory and some of the other guys from Purgatory. And and to be wow. honest with you, like... So this guy goes ahead and ends his jaunt. He's already got a new band. Yep, yep. Yeah, he was making, he's, he's strategic. My man is strategic. He put it, he put Purgatory down and brought Days Lost right out. I almost think you shouldn't break up if you're going to start a new band. I know Richie put them on the bill because that's his people. And he was like, yeah, yeah, but he didn't tell me who. I checked the shit out. I like it. But if I broke up a band and made like 78 last shows like Purgatory did, I probably <laughs> would just keep doing Purgatory and not start a new band. There's so much involved in starting a new band that the process is excruciating, at least from my perspective. So God bless Matt for being like, yo, I just did this band for 10 years. Yo, check out the new shit. It sounds a little bit like the old shit, but it's new shit. Well, I will say this. I watched them play on a, whatever it was like two week, two Saturdays ago. And all the guys in the band, you could tell are like really excited about it too. Like they they were like, I don't, you know, you, when you watch a band, you could tell like what the vibe is. Like, oh, this is the guy that just plays the instrument. This is the guy that's excited. This is the dude that does everything. Like, you could tell they were all equally contributing to the set and like putting into the set and and putting on for the band. It was it was cool. You know what I want to know? How many people do you think since just in your timeline, since like you started going to shows and being cognizant of band members, how many people do you know in bands? Who, number one, the first one is How many people do you know that like when their time Playing in bands was over Was like, yo, fuck it I'm never doing this ever again and Oh my god <laughs> Not just playing in bands, but like They ghosted, they didn't do shows They, they got rid of the records or they hid the records Like, how, what would be the percentage of people From when you first started playing in bands Just gave up and ghosted I would say upwards of 75% Or more you're 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 still low. I'd say eighty five percent ghost. Like lifers, <laughs> lifers is just a different thing, man. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. I, I'll agree with that. It's it's definitely like it's interesting. I mean, people people like you know they get into like a new job, then they get obsessed with the job, then they hate the job, and then they somehow end up at a show again, and they're like, oh, I forgot what this feels like. But it's like you didn't have to forget. You chose to forget because you thought you were big time in somewhere else or doing something else. Or you got you know supermodel wife or super supermodel boyfriend, husband, whatever you did. And then you then like sometimes or most of the time you always end up back. And then you're like, oh, I forgot the feeling. But it's like you're just a loser. Well, so like that's the deal. What you just said is like they get tired and they move on or some shit. And yo, know, I'm all about people moving on. I think in theory. But in practice, it's kind of like, what the fuck do you do? Do you sell your gear? You get rid of your shit? You know, like what? Like, how the fuck do you even? How the fuck do you even manage just giving up that part of your life? And like, what do you become like a bass fisher? Like, do you go out there and start like being the bull on the and the in the beach at like five a.m. with the fucking the detector gimmick? Like, what do you do when you just stop doing shit? Yeah, it's it's interesting. And also just like, you know, from doing bands that have played and then bands that haven't played, you know, I get I think over in that process and just doing these different bands and trying to play in different bands, I kind of discovered for myself, like, oh, I, I want to be in a band that plays. That's the part I like. 
I don't really give a shit about hearing myself on recording or any of these other things. I just want to be in a band that plays shows because that's the part that excites me. And in that same process, you know, I'm, I'm now trying to do shows again in New Jersey. Cause I'm like, Oh shit. I really felt good about doing those shows. And I really feel good about talking to you about this is hardcore. And I really feel good. These are things that make me feel good. And even if it's appreciate it, not appreciate it. I'm a good guy. I'm a villain, whatever, whatever people want to say. Like, I know that when I'm doing something, I'm doing it with my heart. And, and that's the most you could do. Yo, remember when you had that new band, the world, something. Oh, youth. Oh, world demise. Yeah. Then you had another band after that. If I make that up, then you had a band in between world demise and hold my own. Yeah. It's called youth collapse. Yeah. This motherfucker gets a kid is a superstar when it comes to management and all the cool shit. And you should really check out his episode because it was a lot of fun when we had you on. But truly, somehow you managed to like do the fucking Dr. Um, Strange John and just suspend time to manage to be like a father, a husband, and still have time to start new bands. Yeah, I mean, it's it's challenging balancing it all. But, but at the end of the day, I feel like any of this stuff is challenging. Like, like involving yourself, like just like for you, right? You're, you're, you're working full time. You're working Saturdays a lot of the time. You work insane amount of hours, but you still put yourself through the agony of, of promoting oh, shows. This is what I was born in part to do. And I know that sounds wild, but since I got 25 years in, I'm allowed to say stupid shit like that now. Fisher got my license to say crazy shit for about <laughs> this. Like, what the fuck else am I going to do? Like, I'm going to start trying to, like, go out into that mountain where, like, Joe Rogan and Jocko or Hunt Elk and be friends with them dudes. Like, the fuck do you do? Like, I, you know, like, I'm not a hunter, dude. I'm definitely not a fisher, dude. Sports is for dickheads who don't want to read books, so they just memorize dudes' numbers and know what college they went to. It's like, as a male, to, like, know where another dude went to school is mad weird. I'm not, I'm not even starting that. So, like, then what am I going to do? Be, like, a weird asshole who, like, stops and gets roadkill and, like, tries to take the fucking fur off it? Like, there's only a certain amount of hobbies you can have. So this thing that we're involved in, hardcore punk, was my platform, as the kids would say now. But, like, it was the boulevard and the super highway to everything great that I've ever experienced in my life. And so... Obviously, Bobby Wilson's out there killing it. That AX, that AXBX, she ain't doing too bad. And uh, Stucky's on his way up, too. But, like, I'm still here. I didn't give up. I didn't, like, break my elbow, bat, pat myself on the back. I'm only as good as the last show I put on. And what I mean by that is, you know as well as I do, you do a good show for a band, some other band's going to want you to uh, book them. But ultimately, you're only as good as the last thing that you do. And as soon as you don't do something great, people talk shit quick and they like to see the, the, the mighty fall. I'm just, happy to I'm just happy to still be in this because I'm fucking I'm 42. Um, I was just messing around with Eric and uh, Bob being like, what am I supposed to do? Get out there in a pit and just kick some like 18 year old kid in the chest, like just kick his whole soul out of his body for some young band like. It's their time to get wild and get crazy. And I still probably have some, some pit action in me. But like in the new world of the new hardcore kids, these kids are experiencing shit. They're doing cool shit with bands. I'm 
I'm happy that I'm still doing Shadow Realm. Uh, Punishment's got some stuff that we're going to be doing in 2023. So we have activities, but like the mainstay of my social energies is directed towards people within the hardcore scene, talking to people at shows, talking to people about shows, about records, about music. So, you know, like this 12 hours and shit, like the, the you know, pour and concrete. Hey, I love pour and concrete. I'm a sick fuck. When I realized this is a good way to make money and be a trade and have insurance and, you know, potential retirement and stuff, I took it seriously and I take it on and I love doing it. But also, you know, like that, that kind of leaves me cerebrally. I'll be in the middle of doing something and just zone out. Like my body's doing the work because it's kind of like second nature. I think about shit all, I have this like whole free day to think, what of this? Whatever happened with this? And then I like write, write notes like, all right, when I get home, I got to call. Whatever happened with this? Like, it's exciting to not exhaust myself mentally. Not that physically you get exhausted, but like there's there are days where I'm shot from work, but I do have a bit of freedom in that. I do have time to like mentally go inward at work so that I come home and socially I'm out outward, whether it shows or at this. It's a big part of my life, essentially. And sorry for the derail. Days lost. Matt Purgatory. Now Matt is going to call himself Matt Days or going to call himself Matt Loss. What do you think? Ooh, maybe maybe Matt DL. Matt DL. See, well, yo, good luck to Matt. The band's going to start the whole gimmick off. Doors are at twelve p.m. First band's on at one. They're right up there at one o'clock. So there we go. Uh, do you fuck with this Street Struck? Because I know you play with them a bunch, right? Yeah, no, I, I like Street Struck. They're a crazy band. The guitar player is absolutely insane. The stuff he rips on that, on that axe of his, he's uh, he's he's wild. And on and the singer is actually I didn't. Uh, Richie told me this recently. The singer actually is the one that did the flyer. He does like crazy tattoo stuff, Dude, which I thought Troy, was really cool. This Troy is so fucking talented. It's retarded. Yeah, also, yeah he's amazing. Also, also, just being a part of hardcore in a town like Altoona. Like they they might as well like it's such a far drive from so much shit. And yet they're also ubiquitous. Like they're right up there with the whole my own. They're playing Chicago. Um, they're playing all over. In fact, um we did some shit with Street Struck and Raw Life in 2021. We played Indiana and we played in Michigan with them. And they're fantastic people. The band's cool as fuck. And it's like one of these things where there's a certain time where a band has to be like seated in. And I'm hoping in time that people come around to Street Truck. Cool band. Represent Altoona, which is a fucking sick old school spot to play in Pennsylvania. And I know they still hold it down with shows. So, yeah, much love to Troy for the flyer. He did a great job. Killed it. Um, who do you want to make fun of first in Fool's Game? Oh, everyone's favorite alcoholic, Clemo. See, I would go with Stucky first. You think Stucky first? Yeah, just because he's got that silly ass lisp, you know, <laughs> and like, you know, like when a star is rising. This yeah, keep him grounded. Exactly. Like Clemo, he's a bum. He's a crumb bum. <laughs> he's from a town of just crumb bums. You know, like if if. If you told me tomorrow, Ken, he, Clemo was from Kensington, I would believe that shit. So, oh, like, shit. you know, like, but in that means he's one of us, you know, like he's he's a crumb, you know, and knowing a crumb and knowing what crumbs come from, 
You don't even want to kick him, but that that Stucky, he's got this like aristocratic. Oh, I'm from Bethlehem. I'm a little bit better than Clemo attitude, and you know his, his head gets a little capped up. That nose gets a little bigger on his face. So I gotta make fun of him sometimes. Plus, I was watching him box in this video, and Big Head, Big Head David from Killing Me, kind of got on top of him and 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 checked him because Stucky's weird. He lets Clemo get drunk, then he starts man wrestling with him. Was just was just was suspect in the first place. Oh shit! Yeah, that is. Um, well, they just put out their tape on fucking Takedown Records, which is Dylan from Shackled's new label, and it looks like that tape already sold out, but the shirts are still up there. So if you had if you missed that on the tape, you should go to the go to the Takedown Records web store and pick up a shirt. I think Fool's Game is killing it, honestly, and they're getting better and better with every show. I mean, fuck Clemo and Stucky, honestly. But what about what about right. fucking Big Jake? Marry, fuck, kill. I marry Jake. <laughs> I kill Stucky, and I fuck Clemo. How about that? Oh yeah, that's. Uh, I might agree with that, honestly. That's the way to go. <laughs> I can't believe we just went there. <laughs> <laughs> This is not, this is this Kiso and John just went totally off the rails right on that joke. Um, yo, to be honest, Fool's Game, um, if you wanted a best of, you wanted like the young kids in hardcore in the area to start a band, this would be the three kids you put together. And then you add the fact that these motherfuckers are already touring, they're getting the word out. I mean, they played early at the Business Hardcore this year. Like, like they're they're getting crazy reactions already in Massachusetts. Like, if I wanted to say something positive to the band, but not the Stucky because his his head will explode. If a young band took the blueprint of being good dudes that support everybody, they put out cool music and they just play consistently. That's the fucking success. There's no waiting around to your own label that pays for publicity. And you get talked about with the Grammys and all that shit. Just be a hardcore band. And I think Fool's Game is a, literally like a fucking great representation of it. And um, they're a part of the never run, never will roster, right? They're doing the split with Risk, I yep. believe. Yeah. Which is another cool thing. And, and it's just cool to see young people take their band and not like go, oh, we need a hookup. Like, they hit the ground running and I, and I have nothing but love for them. Yeah, I agree with that. Honestly, they don't have any sort of like attitude to the shows they play or any sort of nose to the air on what shows they should be playing. They take whatever they can get with a smile on. And I think that's like, that is the definition of hardcore, you know, no, no, really fucking, no chips, just, just fun. Now, uh, you're a, you're, you're a good buddy. My good buddy plays in this band. Um, this Kings never die. It's a thing for me that old guys in hardcore have the hardest, like survival rate is so low because young kids who aren't cool, like fool's game are such dickheads when an older guy based band starts something right. Or am I wrong here? Yeah, hundred percent. And so we put Kings never die on the Thursday. This is hardcore. Danny Biohazard, Danny Estasi, like this is like hardcore legacy. Like without those two dudes doing Biohazard, doing Doggy Dog, like 
what the fuck is New York hardcore, New York Jersey hardcore going to sound like without them too? And to be fair, Kings never died. They grind. They play a lot of shows, and and maybe it's not always the younger shows, but they get out there and they're playing shows once, twice, a few times a month. Like if you if you look at their Instagram, you're following their Instagram, you'll see they they're not afraid to get out there and, and play a show, which I think is like for for older guys and putting their heart into it. That's that's what it's all about. Plus, they're representing the best place on earth, Manalapan, New Jersey. Kings never Yo. die. Hold my own, right there. No, no, you skipped over Joey Diaz. Oh shit, dude lives there. No I disrespect. I want to go to the Manalapan Diner and end up running into him. Union Hill Hardcore, baby. Pension Road Hardcore. Dude, I would love to run into Joey Diaz and give him a Manalapan Hardcore t-shirt. I don't even know where I would get <laughs> one, but it'd be so sick. We got to make them now. Um, no, I think, and to go off of that, Kings Never Die, for a band with the legacy that they have, they really have no ego. There's bands who start up with like a band who wasn't really cool or whatever and the attitude sometimes is fucked up where these guys come out asking for nothing not expecting anything and just being happy to be on like like just being happy to be on the boat they don't need to be a captain they just want to get on the fucking boat i i love i love the guys and i'm happy that richie put them on the bill definitely uh this whole my own you know um we talked about them earlier the positives is that it's your band. The negatives yeah. is that you motherfuckers literally have clones or something because somehow you're in Long Island. You're did you yeah, you obviously played Florida with us like you're in fucking you're flying out to Chicago. You are gonna have so many fucking miles. It's going to be crazy on that fucking account of yours. Like it's crazy how much you guys are doing where you're in like Oklahoma one weekend and you're here another weekend. It, 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 it behooves me to say this, but like the grind at the wide stretching, like trains, planes and automobile level for hold my own is insane. We got, uh, we got our split with uh carried by six coming out next year. So we got to get out there and play. We got never ran, never wills putting it out. That should be coming. More information on that should be coming top of the year. Thank you to Richie for asking to do that. And, and we got to, we got to keep the word going. You got to, you got to show people. I'm, I do things out of spite. You see, like, like, like I'm straight edge out of spite. I play in bands out of spite. Like, I want people to not want me to be there. I want people to want me to not do bands anymore, or not do shows anymore, or any of these things. Because I want to, I want to prove all these people that I'm here to stay. That's what it's all about for me. I also just realized that once again, I've said the wrong fucking word. Richie corrected me. It's never ran, never will, not rub, never run, which is what I've been saying. I also yeah, got, I also got to wonder. Uh, Ultimately, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about hold my own, carried by six on one side versus fool's game and risk in a water polo match? This is hardcore 2023 or what? Oh, shit. We should do that, huh? We got to get the dunk tank out. Dude, get the dunk tank. <laughs> I love what Richie's doing. I love the idea of doing splits with these kind of bands like you guys have. I think a lot of younger bands in the process of building themselves up, they want leverage through their friends. They don't want to just get out there and grind and just play the shows. You know, it's like the way that you make a band successful is by having, obviously you gotta have, you can't have a whack name. 
you can be all whack dudes because there's plenty of successful all whack dudes, but you got to put the work in. And, and it's incredible what Hold My Own's doing. Um, I obviously I'm a little bit biased here because I I fuck I fuck heavily with Carried by Six and I love Richie, so I love what he's putting into it. But I think Fool's Game Risk, Hold My Own, Carried by Six, like as a new label goes. You know, um, and missing link, the missing link pre order just went up today. And and that was what I was to say is like, you really can't beat the kind of bands that are coming out of this label right now, you know? Well, Rich, Richie's good with it. He keeps his ear to the ground. And, and although with the days he's getting older, he's, I feel like he stays very youthful with the things he does. Dude, if you ever want to meet somebody who has a positive outlook on 90% of hardcore, despite how much some of the things in young hardcore that he's frustrated with. It's incredible. And it's only because he's the Godfather PA and because of how much he legitimately represents hardcore that he's like thinking like now, like, you know, he's got a couple years where he has to retire from his union job. He's got a brand new daughter, you know, he's happy married now. And yet he's still out there putting time into it because this shit still matters to him. And it's great to see the bands. There's a thing we were talking about, uh, in non-related to the bands we're discussing now, some of these bands get on these smaller labels and they take capital away from the label in the sense of like, yeah, yeah, put our record out. And then they just go, oh, you know what? We're going to do something new. And yeah. obviously there's tons of bands who ended up on a record label that was like the band after the band. But I feel like some of these younger cats who are jump on these labels, they don't understand that there's a several thousand dollar investment to get a release in hardcore out just for a small label to barely break even. So I always think it's a little improper or like sort of like almost disrespectful to be like, yo, I know you guys killed it. Uh, we're going to switch everything up. Do you want to put this next one out too? It's like, my man, we're trying to build something up with this band. Why do we get to, you know, sometimes it works out and the next band's good, but I, I, I love that the bands like hold my own, the bands like carried by six risk Fulves game, um, and Missing Link are putting their ass into it for a new label like Never Ran, Never Will. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And it's, co- it's cool seeing Richie kind of switch it up and do what he's doing with Never Ran, Never Will. And like, I guess, a, a more hardcore-based label that, uh, you know, and he's he's obviously, Richie's track record with bands is is untouchable. So like, you know, the bands he's played in. So I think it's just, it's cool seeing what he's doing with it. Absolutely. Sliding into CB6, like, um, you know, we got Zach Barone, the tickiest eater in the history of America. Dude's like a Michelin four-star rating only. Hates ketchup on hot dogs. Has an opinion on any of you. If you were like, yo, what do you think about Sea Otter? He'd be like, oh, yo, I only put this on there. And like, you know, yep. like, it's and, insane. And, uh- and not to mention, I mean, I know, I know you saw this video, but, you know, listeners might not have necessarily saw it. Him recording the vocals for the Carried by Six songs, laying down, upside down, like a true fucking freak. Just listen, everything he does is freakish. It's freakishly <laughs> weird. Somehow it works. And then he caps himself up. He's one of my favorite people on this entire earth. Like, I'm proud that he's like a brother. I love being around them. You know, we pour concrete together. We laugh. We talk about music all day. It's fucking fantastic. Um, he's in a band with Chris Mahmood, 
who obviously is part of the Trinity, which is me, Richie, and Chris, who are putting this Keystone Jam on. And then you got fucking that Kyle Lifeless, the fucking Polak blockheaded motherfucker who just, no matter what time of year it is, he's either got a new band or he's got a new project or he's going back to an old thing. As long as I've known Kyle, which is a crazy amount of years now, almost almost 20 years. I think I met him in 2003 at the tattoo shop in uh, A1 and Delcy Road, uh, Delcy Drive, rather. Like, this dude has always had a band. And so, like, even though Zach's not a veteran to playing the hardcore music, he's got some seasoned real vets in the band, you know? Definitely. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, Kyle, Kyle Lifeless, the, uh, the lizard man. Also a true oddity of hardcore, but Literally. yeah, they make it work. And those, the, the new songs they did for the split are fucking the best things they've done to date. So I think yeah, it's going to be cool did the, to uh, hear them. We did the Bulldoze release. Uh, when the release is ready, we're going to probably do a whole thing on it. But the, the, the new CB6 stuff's fucking retarded awesome. Kyle is so goddamn big. I don't understand how he can sn- uh, sneak up on any animal. Yet the dudes out here just trying to live his best life in the Jersey Pinelands as being like the Jersey <laughs> Pineland equivalent of the crocodile hunter. And he does a damn good job of it. Dude, it's sick. It's fucking crazy. Um, the band that I would say from this area is the talk of the town would definitely be that end it. Wait, did we skip Missing Link? I think we skipped Missing Link. Do we give them totally the- right? You know, we 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 chatted about them, but we didn't go hard yeah. on. Let's let's dial back and go hard on them. You start. The the pre order went up earlier today. I woke up, saw the pre order, purchased it real quick. Never ran, never will. I think I think uh, the song they posted with Dan Seely on it's incredible. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to the full record yet, but I'm excited too. Um, yeah, I think their set's honestly going to be actually insane the sets i've been seeing them play are are just getting crazier and crazier and and the style of music they play i know you had mentioned this on the last episode but like it's it's authenticated beatdown it's real it's real deal don't it's not like this. don't disrespect them by call that <laughs> you just you just disrespected them while trying to cap them at the same time what would you how would you uh what would you say i don't use that i don't use that word so what how would you explain it I would call them a very heavy hardcore band. You know, like I think that I think that calling it beatdown is eliminating musicianship and taking it out of the equation. And we'll get into that later on further. But modern beatdown bands to me always have it's almost like a, a um, the derivative of the original and each generation gets shittier at doing it. But missing. Missing Link is a band. They get on stage. The singer sounds like he's supposed to sing. Dude looks like he could punch a hole through a wall like the fucking Kool-Aid man. Killer has some insane riffs. And um, I just think in general, like that's the kind of band, if Punishment and Shattered Realm were younger and playing more, you know, that's the kind of bands we fucked with back then. So it's cool to see that in the modern, the modern era. Yeah, no, I I think that's actually a great comparison. It's a very similar vibe, and even the way the room feels when they start playing, it's it's very reminiscent of that early two thousands Shadow Realm Punishment style. Yeah, and I I just fucking I'm a big I'm a big mark for them, and I had Mike on the episode 
that I had some technical difficulties, so it came out mid-afternoon. Um, mid-afternoon Thanksgiving, which that's the craziest. He's Mike Ryan in my phone, but I put his last name in initially as Mike Riley, and then Richie said, I'm like, dude, like, you know when you have, like, this subliminal, like, other thing in your head? I felt like such a retard doing it, but I got some good vibes. His story was cool. Check out last week's episode if you want to check out Mike's story from Missing Link. Well, just to be fair, Joe, you do that with a lot of things. You have a different name for what it actually is, and that's. Can you explain to people? Can you explain to people that I'm not a I'm not a very fine detail person. I'm a I'm a let's get it done, and I and I and I have it organized in my brain, but sometimes shit gets lost in translation. Is that true or false? A hundred percent. And it's never out of like disrespect or, or anything to that nature. It's just how your brain will translate certain things. It'll be just like you were doing. What, what was it? Never ran, never will, never run, yeah. never like, that's just how it goes. And, and you know what you're talking about and you know, everything about it. It's just for whatever reason, every time you see it, you'll say the, say the other, you were, what were you calling us? Something hold it down. You're calling us yeah, hold it down. Guys, no, <laughs> straight up calling you guys hold it down on stage. It's so dumb. It's the way my brain just it, like it follows it incorrectly. And like, you know, like if you name if you misspelled someone's name in the cell phone, but then like fix it. Nah, I, my brain is like, nah, this is who he is. Like to the <laughs> point where like, like it's, it's, it's retarded how bad I've gotten with it. But I'm glad you pointed that out. Cause it is kind of funny. Oh yeah. Um, so now on the end it, I had the opportunity to see them freshly at the First Unitarian Church play. And, dude, I'm just telling you from even from as far back as the show that they played at the church in October that Bob had did in 2021. In a calendar year, this band really found itself. 100%. I agree, especially with the new record that they just did on Flat Spot. I mean, it's just up, up, and away. And, like, there's always these buzzword bands where people are like, oh, you really need to check this out. Like, no, they're that band. Like, like you know, like Akil, Chris, all them guys, they put their entire ass into that band, and good things are coming for them. And they're holding down all fucking Baltimore, which is like, like, you know, obviously, you know, you had Justice Trip with the TUI stuff for a while. Everyone was hoping next up up or somebody from JR's camp was going to bust something new out. But it's ended. Who's really like they're the flag bearer for fucking Baltimore hardcore now, you know? Yeah, it's it's super cool. I and mean, I know Gons forever. He used to come up to Jersey all the time and just hang out. And, and it was like, that shows everywhere. Yep. Yeah. And he's, you know, just kids that were excited to be a part of hardcore and then to go on and see them do a band and, and even Akil, I mean, what he does with his, like uh, his spoken word stuff in the beginning of the set where he's reciting lyrics from a song. I mean, I don't really know many people that can do that, that can like free, free ball, full verses from songs, like just off the top of their head with nothing else. I can't do that. Can you listen? I'm going to tell you this right now. This motherfucker is like, mentally sharper than a Ginsu knife. He has an intellect and a wit that is astounding if, if you're unaware of it. And dis, he's disarmingly charming and he's insanely talented when he does the clean vocals singing along. 
And it adds a depth of level because like in the days of hardcore where your band members had to st- stand out because there wasn't Spotify to like gas you up, like different vocalists had personalities and you almost followed the band because of the personality. And I attribute that more now to older bands because so many younger bands just lack a substantial personality at times. Not every band's like that, but like, Typically in the modern era, the last 10 years, few frontmen really become their own like trademarked brand name dude. And it kills just like star power in the shortest in the shortest terms. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. It's it's always a show watching them and it's never the same show, which I think is like, you know, because you can see a band 20 times and do the same thing every every time. And it's and it is what it is. But I feel like what they put out there is is always very different in in the most charming way. Absolutely. And charming is the great term for it. Um, you and I are probably crazy biased for this one. But like just seeing DBD on the bill makes me happy. 100%. One of my favorites. Uh, the cool thing about Death Before Dishonor in terms of like one more great reason to have them on this bill besides like the, we're talking about the middle of this bill. You had the days losses band ones here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And it is eight. And then the next eight bands are just get it, like from end it onward. It just gets, cr- I mean, yeah. I mean, all the, the lineup is fantastic. There's no throwaway bands, but like really DBD starts this last run, like the second half of the, the day. They just start this fucking run of bands where you're like, how the fuck is all of this happening? And uh, for us, uh, I could speak about it on the podcast now. I was intrinsically involved in bringing True Till Death to Fast Break Records and pulled Brian, put him in touch with Richie and Tim to make it work. Uh, Juice did a great job with the artwork. There's a written thing that's going to be on the LP. But um, even with Richie involved in Never Ran, Never Will records, he still has a lot of stuff going on with Fast Break as well. And this is like something that we got to pull together. And Hardcore kind of had this moment in the early 2000s where you couldn't sell a vinyl for anything that wasn't like an American Nightmare or like a Bane Converge, like that kind of stuff, or a fast hardcore band, like the heavy dudes just didn't even put vinyl out to the point where like Hapri didn't do even do a vinyl for perseverance at that time. And so like truth or death, the first LP, which came out on spook city, Sean's label, which is now called another city is it's great to see truth or death, get a touch up artwork wise and liner notes. It's fucking cool. So it's just one more reason to be excited for DVD. Cause you might hear some, you might hear a song or two from that era as well. Yeah, and I think I think Brian, uh, who sings for Death Force Honor, he's also another older guy that keeps his ear to the ground and like really pays attention to the shit going on and and sincerely cares about it and and gives his all to it. And I think that's just like again, not a diss to anybody else, but I feel like that you know it's few and far between for people that are caring more about caring less about what they're doing, but just about hardcore in general. 
And I think that's like Brian always puts it, you know, puts his all into it and 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 actually cares and actually pays attention to younger bands, talks about younger bands, and engages in in more than you know. Because once you get to a certain age, I feel like you care about what you're doing and you kind of disconnect from the rest of it, which which sucks to say. But a lot of the time with the older bands, older '80s bands, early '90s bands, that's just what it is. But but uh, and obviously, Death Sports Honor started in the late '90s, but you know, he's done bands since the mid nineties and he's still here doing the same shit, putting his heart into it and caring and supporting other things other than himself. And that's what I think is like, again, I'll use the word charming about Brian Deathboard is honor. He has a charm. Um, he's one of my favorite people on this entire earth. And we've been friends since 1997 when this four year first played up a club one to one. But what's really great is that, Debt Before Dishonor, for people that don't know, is the child offspring of two of the South Shore bands that were really frequenting one-to-one towards the end. And so, like, they already were the band that was birthed from that world, and they just stepped it up a notch. And really, I mean, they hit the ground running. And again, like I said, this is the vinyl the first time it's coming out. Because this vinyl wasn't really attached to bands like this where it's on or even punishment or shattered realm for that matter. And so it's cool to see happen. But the thing is, is Brian, you know, they eventually get on bridge nine. They do tours all over Europe and America with depth for it's honor with being support for sick of it all. Agnostic front man ball. Like they're and they're a world like, like say the world, you can just say, Oh yeah, they're world known. These motherfuckers are really known all in different parts of the fucking globe. I've and watched many of old ass German men full on cry after watching Death of Portis Honor play a set. Cry just, full tears. There's, a, there's an earnestness. There's an earnesty. Does it earnest honesty? There's an earnestness. What's the would be the adjective? Brian is an urge and an earnest person, and he can be one-eyed drunk crazy brian but a lot of the times when you see you see a not a performance but you see him put his heart into it he's he's genuinely if he wants to play with the bands he's not going to fake it you know like this is a huge part of his life hardcore is another like a person that would agree with us like hardcore is the mainstay of his life and giving him so much that he respects it and loves it and he doesn't want to be pushed aside into the old guy category. So he stays vibrant. He stays up on the newer bands. He supports them. He mentors them. And and that's really what you want. Like, to be honest, like DBD is risks old head to take it back to them. You know, like this is part of like the nurturing and supporting the newer bands in your area and helping them out. Like DBD is the one who put people onto BG and risk and shit. And that's like part of it. It's a really great thing. And I'm really excited um personally it's weird because i see dbd and i i don't know maybe someone maybe you'll tell me otherwise i guess we should play i would think we should play before them so it's kind of interesting to see us play after them but hey fuck it we've never cared when or how we get on we just get up and do our thing you know yeah and i think in pennsylvania especially shadow realm set's going to be uh something special I I hope that we can continue the energy from the last one. Even with a Torm hamstring, I really had a great set in my head. 
I, you know, it's seen from the crowd that kids were into it. But like mentally, I know you know this from being on stage. You could have a great set and not see it because if your head's not there. But I was really cognizant and in the moment happy about playing. Does that make sense? No, definitely. And um, I'll say something funny and I don't care where this goes. Put it on Twitter. Put it on TikTok. Do you want to know a little trivia about Shattered Realm? Club, uh, club reverb in general or no? Oh, yeah, of course. I want, I, I'm curious if I know what you're about to say. <laughs> when Shadow Realm played our first show under the moniker Shadow Realm again, and when I say first show, I was asked to do a show to support Jake Abbott because his family, he had a loss in the family, and Bob did a benefit show. And I said, I didn't want to do Shadow Realm but I would do something if they needed me to. And he put together the lineup. Bob physically got people together to learn Shattered Realm songs. And we performed as All Will Suffer. And then the dudes like Chris and Joe Nunn from Shattered Realm made a huge fist and acted like Shattered Realm played the Madison Square Garden or something. And that just in, in, incensed me to point like, fuck you. I was in this band longer than this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. I had a huge impact in the first beginning of the band and I kind of felt like yo fuck you like I, I deserve to do this so I played my first show as Shattered Realm without Jonan and Chris Rage at Club Reverb as part of East Coast Tsunami do you know who the band that had to play before us was who was it Knock Loose oh shit do you want to know the trivia yes since that time there ain't no band in the state of Pennsylvania who could follow Knock Loose. But they got on stage and Shadow Realm came right up and we whipped their fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good fun. I had to talk a little shit, but like legit, like we were playing and it wasn't at the time like, oh, dude, how are you guys going to play after? Like, no one even said that to us. Like, how are you guys going to finish now? We just knew like, oh, these younger kids are really about it. And then we got on stage like, all right. Now time for daddy to handle business. And we did it. I never talk shit like that. It's just funny to say on the podcast. Like <laughs> so far, I said to Maddie the other day on the phone, shout out round one, knock lose zero in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have the now, rematch. It's where now if we played in Antarctica with them, they'd have every fucking penguin and fucking seal going nuts. Like that band's a world popular band. So this is all in jest and good fun. I just wanted to say that to make light of the fact that Shadow Realm is playing the Keystone Jam. However, I am very proud that I didn't put my band on the bill. Chris and Richie are like, you guys should really fucking play it. So I'm happy to perform. I'm happy to be a part of so many of my peers. And then as we start getting into like everything after this is heroes from this way onward to me, like heroes, like legendary bands that it's, it's cool to be just even acknowledged to be on the level of some of the bands earlier and later, you know? You're going to have to watch that Chris Marguerite behind the drum set, though, during Shadow Realm. Listen, you keep an bum. eye on him. Listen, straight up, dude's a bum. <laughs> dude's a bum. And that's all. I'll say it on the podcast. Dude's a bum. His motivation isn't there. Um, But, you know, he's a comic relief. And he, uh, no, I'm fucking around, but like, yeah, Chris might flub, might fuck up a part, but we make it work because we're pros, right? Oh, the most professional. Professional so, hardcore. Yeah, pro core to the key, Shadow Realm. <laughs> um, 
Backstory. Uh, I was trying to make some shit happen in this hardcore. It didn't really work out. And then the doors and interest for a bulldoze has always been high. But getting Kevin and a team on point that want to do it was harder. And then so there became this moment where bulldoze was available and interested. And we locked bulldoze in for FYA. And then because we knew FYA was going to sell out, we also knew we were going to do Keystone. And it was really fantastic to see the outpouring of support for FYA. And then to be able to say, okay, well, we got bulldoze. And then the most untimely, tragic loss of Kevin C. Kev Juan bulldoze put this band in jest. Like, well, what do we want to do? And it's a weird time because, and this is what we're going to get into quick a little bit. Like, yeah, like beat down's a thing, and there's all these young bands that like say every other word, like beat down, beat down, beat down, and like that's all they want to do. But like, if you want to be a beat down band, you got to go back, not to bulldoze. You got to go and listen to everything that dudes, Mike, Zach, Kuda, Chris, like if you want to be the bulldoze, you actually listen to the bands that inspired them. You actually become like good players. It's not a breakdown. It's not a beat down part. It's a fucking a way of amalgamating or making an amalgamation of these different sounds and ideas like bulldoze kind of gets musically seen as like a, a not a dinosaur but like a, what's the word i'm looking for a caveman that's the word like oh this is caveman music it's like dude there ain't too many people that can hold any kind of conversation with zach bulldoze or mike bulldoze and just about music theory and metallica and metal and all the stuff like in general, like these are some of the most knowledgeable dudes when it comes to music. And it's just an interesting young kid thing that they just did this ignorant ass band. And they had a song called beat down and it spurned like an idea that was emulated in the mid nineties. And then in the two thousands, we kind of came like a, uh, Kazaa and like online file sharing gimmick. And then with the advent of YouTube, now there's like kids who are like 17 trying to dress like idiots from the East coast in the late nineties to emulate this shit. But there's no way to emulate bulldoze. It's such a rare breed band. There's so many crazy things. Like I always tell these kids like, Oh, you're a beat down band. Do you like any of the old hardcore bands? Nah, I don't really fuck with that. You know who would be most pissed off? Kev one bulldoze. The dude loved had every fucking old, 1980s hardcore. We talked about this on the Zach Bulldoze podcast, which is like way early on in my podcast. But like Kev One Bulldoze was a fan of real hardcore, owned records, loved Warzone, loved skinhead music, loved like pure the passion of real hardcore. So I always hate when the kids who think like they're doing the new Bulldoze try to splinter and separate Bulldoze and this like its own side genre. It's like, no, it's a hardcore band. Bulldoze is will is and always will be to me a hardcore band one of my all-time favorites had some wild crazy times with kevin ups downs less rates and it's disheartening to think that like we don't have kevin here but the band is pushing forward imagine um that they're going to be probably one of the sickest sets of the whole weekend um whether FYA or just that night, it's going to be fucking sick. And I'll let you go from there. 
Yeah, I think it's also, you know, it says a lot that, you know, they were 15 years old, 16 years old, writing those first Bulldoze songs and like sitting down with an engineer. And I know this through Zach just telling us the stories and like the engineer being like, no, no, you should tune to E Standard. And that's why those first songs are in E Standard because they they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Somebody's directing them because they were so young, but to write those riffs and, and kind of bark that movement that has definitely recently got like a complete resurgence and bands are, you know, forming and um, being created around that sound that they made and that concept they, they helped kind of mark so many years ago. I think it's absolutely incredible. Well, it's like another cool thing. Cause you know, I am older than you, but they're like the kid, the bands that I started really fucking with beyond just like your traditional hardcore bands. There was this tongue-in-cheek almost diss that would come from people who listen to like the more traditional hardcore. Like, oh, Bulldoze isn't even a hardcore band. E-Town Concrete, Fury of Five. It's not like it's like, and now by today's standards, all of these bands are like what the young kids want. So in the long run, in the long run, these bands won out for doing something different, building a different legacy. And it's great to see the younger breed of kids really embracing these bands. 100%. Um, and again, it, it's impossible to talk about any show that Wisdom and Chains plays in the state of Pennsylvania, which being like, it, it's insane how long they've been playing now. Their discography is fantastic. If you ever get bored, just listen to every single Wisdom and Change record. And there's so many different mood changes within the records. It's fantastic that they are still playing. And, you know, this is Richie's band. Me and Chris legitimately have to ask Richie to ask the band. And then they're going to decide if they're going to play because they don't want to blow up their spot or just like burn themselves out. But the fact that they're playing right after Bulldoze and what's coming up after like it's going to be one more amazing like highlight reel set from them guys at the reverb. Yeah, wisdom and change at reverb is always just it is. It, I feel like you're watching a greatest hits reel because every moment is just so so many things going on, and it just feels like the entire room is engaged in the set. It's it's always a very special special time. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, if if we were looking at the months, like if every band was a month, Wisdom and Change would be December twenty fourth, and we're about to celebrate Christmas together because everyone's wow. going to be so unified. Everyone's going to be so unified in that room around that Wisdom and Change set. It truly is special, bro. You don't ever see someone's frowning. You never nope. see someone. You don't see someone look at their watch like wrap it up. Be Wisdom and Change gets on stage, and it's just love, harmonious respect. And people singing words like uh, they're fantastic, man. They've been fantastic. They've been a mainstay of Pennsylvania hardcore. And I mean, just another. And again, it's all about characters and charisma, not just in the front man alone, the drummer, the fucking every member of Wisdom and Chains is their own individual like character, but each have their own action figure because of the weird depth of each person, you know? <laughs> I definitely agree. Um. So in trying to make hardcore shows like Keystone stand out, it's harder. 
You know, there's younger things like you did the act like, you know, and for the most part, with the exception of like a scowl and like a uh, gridiron, which is still younger bands. It was like more bands regionally based, but to try to pull people from all over the East Coast the week before Christmas, you really do got to deliver something that's really noteworthy. And um, Strife was one of these bands once we had the top figured out, like, dude, you know what really would be fucking wild? And Chris, like, yo, you should hit them up. And Strife being like the dudes from the victory era that handle their own business, they book their own shit. They all are like Andrew Klein, obviously, who runs a label. Chad, Chad from Strife is literally like one of the most professional venue runners, general managers of some of the like the craziest venues in California. Like these dudes know what they got to do. They're so easy to deal with and so down to earth that like adding Strife was like a pleasant, like, fuck yeah, just one more thing. And after the two shows we did with them at Underground Arts, I have no doubt like Strife is going to be some wild highlight real level shit. Yeah, I mean, those shows back in what what month did that happen? October. The Earth in October. Oh my god. Okay, so it feels long yeah, ago, whoa. but whoa, 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 feels... whoa! Did I make that up? It was May. Okay, no. I was gonna say yeah, yeah. May. Yeah, May. I, I had to. Bet, I just right? made that yeah. up. I made that up. It's <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, stretch it up live on this show, just like if you said I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I saw Strife play the Terror record release in LA. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember what month it was, but yeah, and it was incredible. So I think they're going to bring it 100%. Yeah, it, it's. It's it's really like the setting like, OK, cool, we did all this other shit. Now it's just hero level shit and like Strife is going to be that band. And then, you know, when we do stuff like Agnostic Front, we always want to make sure they're in a position of prestige for just a duration of how long their band is. But I and, and like the, the what Agnostic Front means to hardcore, but like just seeing them like right there, like not at the very last band. So kids have to stick around like. AF is still one of the, the bands that like molded me into being a hardcore kid from a metal person. And um, I really am excited. And then the added of all the different people and we'll get into that. Remind me to go back to that, but like the AF set is going to be something special as well. Yeah. I mean, one of the top, you know, personal top five hardcore bands of all time, agnostic front, I would say they put out the most consistent amount of records. I enjoy out of any hardcore band, I yeah, I would say for bands that have put out so many records, I enjoy the most Agnostic Front records more than any other discography any other also, band has done. You you under the Mongoloids, you did a lot of shows with them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Roger and Stigma were so supportive of Mongoloids, and honestly, all the bands I do, I still talk to. Stigma, he'll call me on Christmas and leave me a voicemail, and and hey, uh, uh, they. Hey, Greg, that's such a cool. I, hey, Greg, <laughs> I can't even imagine to, to do it like to get the fucking uh, like a, a Christmas call from. That's sick. Yeah, it's uh, he there again. That's like another band that just pays attention to what's going on and truly cares, and and obviously with with how many years is Agnostic Front thirty six, thirty seven years more. So, yeah. Yeah, 40? 
I would say, dude, yeah, they're at like 40 years. It's <laughs> insane. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, they, Agnostic Front took Mongoids on tour so many times and were always so nice to us. We did a full bus tour with them, got to hang out with them in the bus every day, hear stories from Roger every day. There'd be times where I'd get I a wish text you had from a one podcast. Of the Oh, man. Like, there, there would be times where I'd be in the bunk and for whatever reason, it'd be late. And like Roger and Sigma would be downstairs and something would kick off. And, and I, I obviously everyone that knows me or is my friend knows how much I truly care about it. And I would be half asleep. I'd get the text, yo, you got to come down here. They're talking about crazy shit. I would roll out of bed and run down the stairs and just get there. Like, and they'd be like, oh shit, what's up, man? Like they could see, I was like stressed. I would just play it cool. Like, yeah, yeah. I was, I was just, I, I couldn't sleep, but honestly I was already asleep. And someone was texting me or calling me to wake me up to be like, Greg, you got to get here to hear these fucking stories. So that was, uh, yeah. Yeah. For real. One of my favorite bands, uh, band honestly changed my life and, and yeah, no, nothing more can be said. I'm, I'm excited to be playing with them again and doing a new band and yeah, it's incredible. It's almost like that Wayne's world. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. So fucking cool. Yep. hundred percent. So, uh, life of agony. Um, there is this like white whale kind of thing that happens with life agony where the, every once in a blue moon, you'd see life agony randomly. Like they played Rochester at that, like that skate park and every young kid wants life agony to just come out and be that river runs red band and younger kids. Yeah. They fuck with all the other stuff too, but like Bob did a great job of finally pulling the trigger and getting F FYA having life agony. And then like, again, because of like Chris and the connections through the club, when bulldoze wasn't like the end all be all, we had to like stiffen the top up and stalking all these bands and uh, life agony. Like, yeah, we play. And I was mind blown. Hold on a second. Yeah, we be sneezing lies on this shit. Um, like life agony on top of all this other shit is even more crazy. And just like one more thing, but like, may God help them if they play the set that'll bring the house down. Like, like this is the set where I pray that they know that the young kids and the older fans, what these people want to hear. And Life Agony, I've seen them play some amazing sets, and I've seen them play some dismally more focused on the newer stuff with a heavy hardcore crowd, and it does not go over well. Um, full disclosure, I've been seeing Life of Agony since I was like, I want to say 13 turning 14. So um, I've been a fan for now almost 30 years. And they were always insane in philadelphia and i've seen them in new jersey new york uh massachusetts i've seen them in a lot of places in the east coast and when life of agony shows up and brings it jesus christ man it, it brings me right back to being a kid and i'm so excited for them was was life of agony one of the earlier like hardcore bands you had because i know you you come from more metal and then you kind of found hardcore in in that it through metal did you see life agony before you were were uh as aware of hardcore i had hair like long ass hair yeah for when i first started going to the hardcore shows right 
So, and, and this sounds weird way to address this question, but so like for me, fucking with life of agony had so much to do with river runs red. Yeah. Like I remember as a kid, um, there were so many great records coming out on Roadrunner at that time. And I, I, I know, I know this is going to sound like even more crazy. I think I started eighth grade. Yeah. I started eighth grade when that record came out and my family life was like a little weird. Everything about that band I didn't know until I saw the video that those dudes weren't straight headbangers. And what's crazy, we talked about on the podcast, Zach Bulldoze missed the opportunity, but Kev One Bulldoze and all those dudes are literally on the Brooklyn Bridge for the Life of Agony video shoot. Yes. Like, so the way to answer the question for you in the most seriousness is that I had been to my first hardcore shows that spring with biohazard sick of it all and sheer terror. But I was uh, like still trying to understand. Cause you gotta remember in the beginning of that year, I was 12. I turned 13 in July. I was going to a shit ton of hard, uh, a shit ton of hard metal shows. Uh, I was going to death metal shows. I was going to what shows with the Trocadero. I was going down with all our friends on the L. And so there was this like weird middle ground time where you didn't know what to classify everything, you know, like the classification started coming more from other people telling us like, oh, well, this really isn't this or starting to read more zines. Once I started getting influenced from other people, but like, again, like I was in high school when Typo Negative had already had the origin of feces and we were walking around excited about Bloody Kisses, which came out that summer. So, like, here I am addressing hardcore and trying to, like, mitigate it. And there's stuff like Typo Negative and Life Agony intrinsically tied to the underground part of Brooklyn hardcore and stuff. But clearly on Roadrunner, clearly metallic shit. I didn't even know how to classify it. And the, yep. some of them shows, I mean, like, that same year, Typo Negative would play the, the Trocadero because Christian Death canceled. So it was typo negative and shelter. And yet life agony was literally headlining shows. And I remember distinctively knowing like life agony's mosh pits were so much more dangerous than even some of the thrash and death metal shows. Cause dudes were straight up doing like the big, it was the first time I was seeing what we people call like New Jersey or New York moshing, you know, like, so that's a really weird way of saying I couldn't classify it, but I knew it was attached to hardcore and I was reading enough magazines to kind of get the idea and zines, but there was a lot of hardcore uh, zines that I was coming across that were kind of shitting on stuff that was on major labels, shitting on stuff for not being pure hardcore, but bloody kisses and river runs red are in my top 10 favorite records. 
and they came out within three months of each other as I was turning it, um, as I was getting into uh, eighth grade. Yeah, I mean, as as I say, as somebody that's been covering the song River Runs Red with multiple different bands I've done since the year 2005, I would say, yeah, that's a, a perfect record. And yeah, it's it's uh, I'm very excited. I haven't seen my bag in a long time, so I'm super excited. And now um, leading us off terror, not only just because they're terror and who the fuck can follow terror, but. They're doing the they're doing a couple shows now playing lowest of the low because it's like the 20 years thing or whatever the reason is. And we're lucky that on top of just having terror, that now we have terror playing a record that there was a time when they started doing more like the damn the shame and other stuff. Be like, dude, they just need to go back and play lowest of the low. And I feel like, and this is a good question to bring to you. Do you think that kids now don't fuck with low as low as hard as they fuck with some of the latter records like they always a hard way? Like, do you think that the younger cats are going to be excited for those songs? Or do you think them being able to skip and go beyond it, their discography is deep enough that the younger kids like the risk fool's game and missing link type kids aren't exactly like needing to hear the first record to be happy with a terror set. I think that they have been a band for so long and been and been so put out so many records that that uh, appease to different audiences. I would say, but I think that like the hardcore kid, the the Clemo, the Stucky, the, people are really excited for Lois of the Low. I mean, Lois be, being someone that was around when that demo came out and seeing them, you know, they, the first time they played New Jersey, they played Rexplex with Bane. I want to say, but the day before that show, Rexplex was like a huge place where the Hellfest 2004 was. It was like big stage and just they didn't it wasn't like 2002 with Death Threat and Over My Dead Body. They didn't play anywhere in Jersey at that time. They did play the, the, right, the day before Posse Fest. They played a basement in New Brunswick, but that was after because this oh, was okay. early 2002. And then the summer they came back and the show ended up in a basement in New Jersey and New Brunswick. And it was death threat, terror champion. And I remember kids were kicking the, uh, kicking was like the, the square style ceiling that you can like pick it up oh, and go into yeah, the ceiling. Drop, the drop ceiling. Yeah. And there was, uh, there was this infamous mosher named Joey Mosh. And he was straight up just doing these crazy spin kicks, kicking the ceiling. Joey Mosh later Mosh, went on. He but. was in that nothing left to warn, right? Yeah, he was the original singer. Nothing left to mourn. Is he now no longer involved in hardcore music? No, he is. He was at. Uh, I saw him at Ringworm All at War recently. He comes around. Was he He's still moshing? in it? He wasn't moshing. No, he needs to bring it back. He's got six months. Joey Mosh, if you're listening, you got six months. You're either in the pit or you got to give up the surname. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's a, he's a legendary New Jersey mosher right there. Legendary. I'm gonna say that you disrespected the fuck out of Lou Hawk, but I'll let it go. <laughs> From my, I mean, he, you know, Joey was a couple years older than he's me. Your so he was, he's your era. He's your era. That's it. All right. Well, you amended it. He's legend for your time. I like Joey. He's a nice guy. But Joe, for real, get back in the pit, or you got to be known as Joey Eustamash. 
Um, yeah, but but yeah. so so Terror ended up jumping the day before that Rexplex show, which I think was like the start of this tour. It was with Bane the day before American Nightmare was playing with Hope Conspiracy at a place called Hamilton Street Cafe, which is like this really name. small, yeah, small spot, 150 cap, small stage. And Terror ended up jumping on and playing songs. And I remember being like, holy shit, this is crazy. Scott Vogel on, you know, the, you know, Buried Alive for me was a big one. That was like one of the earlier bands I had heard. And, you know, booking them in 2018 on Back to School Dan was like a huge moment for me. And like things that I'll, of the things I'll always remember. And, you know, their first show at This Is Hardcore, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. So, yeah, like the, the lowest to the low is will never like the like the sands of time cannot change what that record is and if you go back and you put it on i feel like it is such just like a it's a forever album it's like drove, it's like a i drove into work motivated because i was sick listening to that hyping myself up to be like dude how do you how do you just and i know the answer because they're just like superheroes who all came together for that band but if you're a hardcore kid now and you try to hit me with, ah, it's all right, I'm going to slap you. Like that is by far one of those records that just going to stand out, not in that time period, not in the 10 years, but in the 40 something years of hardcore, lowest of the low has a place in the top 50 records in hardcore, period. Yeah, I would. I agree with that 100%. I think like, they, you know, terror from the, from the very jump from that demo, it was just something very special. And like no one in and, and if with every record, it's special and they, and they kind of touch all different sorts of audiences, which obviously you can see on these massive festivals, they play in Europe to 1 million people. But, you know, beyond that, I think like if you're a construction worker in Troy, New York, or you're um fixing tires in louisville kentucky or you're in seattle washington whatever the hell you're doing picking your ass there's a place for terror in in all of your cd books or all of your playlists yeah i i really know that they're the one band that could top this bill with energy precision fan favorites and just make something so fucking special and it's a great way to and the bill. Um, I'll let you go first. Overall, give me your overall uh, premonition or overall. What are your vibes thinking about this whole bill now that we just talked about all the bands? Yeah, I'm really excited. I think it's a, a well diverse lineup with old, new, and and uh middle-aged bands that you know have been around for 10 20 years have been around for one year and have been around for for 40 years i mean that's that's uh saying a lot i think i think it's i think it kind of has something for everybody in my opinion yeah it's one of my it's one of the things i love about putting a bill together like richie has stuff that he drops in chris has stuff that he drops in and the mainstay of what Keystone Jam has become is like the there's a lot of people in hardcore who don't have that um family thing, you know, like there is not an altruism, but like there is a practice of like not having a connection with like Christmas for all the broken family shit and hardcore. 
So here's our opportunity a week from the holidays to get together and see friends from all over, celebrate the stuff we celebrate. And I think that every year I look forward to what we can pull together for Keystone. And every year, just like, you know, you know, from booking fests and et cetera, every year the formula gets a little bit better and we refine it. And so I'm just really looking forward to what it means to stand there looking at all this bill. You've got debt before dishonor, terror, you debt before dishonor, terror, all that agnostic front, all who specifically tour and wisdom of chains who toured so many times together, so many fucking times together, you know, like, this is like a, a, a true all like all the young bands from days lost all the way through to you get to DBD. All those bands fuck with each other heavily. And then, you know, Shadow Realm, we're really the, the leftovers. We never really did. We never really did any big tours with any of the latter bands, with the exception of we toured with DBD twice. But like we're been homies with every single person's with the exception of obviously the, you know, the big, you know, like, you know, I don't even think stigma knows I was in a band. I know Roger don't know I was in a band and I, I don't know the dudes in LOA well enough to even strike up like, Hey, do you remember this kind of conversation? So for me, I'm excited to play with peers and I'm excited to play with heroes, but like, the hangs, the amount of old friends, the young friends, and that camaraderie, that character, that Luke from New York, you running and screaming and yelling at Vogel, the, you know, the, you know, like the world of Luke, Vogel, Vinny Stigma, Gallo, you know, the terror, you know, like it just the, the whole entire combination is its own concoction for chaos and fun. And so not only do the kids and the people who come to see the show get a wild bill, but like as friends, we all get to connect and hang out with each other as a band level. And then as fans for all the other bands. And it, I think it's a great way to spend the week before Christmas together. Yeah. And I think like, you know, for, for, to kind of pay homage to, to you guys that put it together, it's when you're putting together a show like this, it changes a billion times. You kind of start with one idea and then that idea seems like it's going to work and then it completely shifts and then that idea is gone. And, and you really jump through a lot of hurdles to kind of put something like this together. You're dealing with bands directly. You're dealing with booking agents, which can not always be the most pleasant thing in the world. And, and you kind of are doing it all for that, right? The week before Christmas, you to have this, this family gathering of, the people you're close with and for, for the people that might not have, you know, blood family, but it's, but it's a different kind of family. And that is, you know, what the motivation is and to put something like this together at the end of all those hurdles and all those headaches, it really is very, very special. And it means a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to so many people that go to this event. So, you know, thanks for keeping on it through all the bullshit to make sure it happens. I love hardcore, man. I love on days where it's cold and my hands hurt. And I think about like, dude, don't worry, man. X amount of days of Keystone Jammer. X amount of days till this show. Like these are the, the moments of like the bastion of good 
that come from hustling in the daytime, pouring concrete, and then coming home and work on these shows is to have something exciting to look forward to with the, without taking hardcore, booking hardcore shows exclusively as my career, I'm able to be able to be both fan and promoter and get excited and, you know, get excited for performing. It kind of lets me fill all of those roles. So I, I'm, I'm happy I get to work with Chris and Richie. Um, we are almost at nine years and that 2023 will make nine years since the first Keystone Jam. Wow. That's and, awesome. Yeah. No, you know what? It's 10 years next year. I think we did the first one in 2013. I'll have to double check. We either did our first one in 2013 or 2014. We had a Keystone, we had a Keystone Jam. No, you know what? I, I, I can self-correct now. We did, yeah, we did Keystone Jam in 13 and then 14. And um, so, yeah, next year is 10 years of Keystone Jams. Even though we did, there was a year or two where we didn't do them. We've collectively been working as the Trinity. And I just got to say, on top of just doing the, the Keystone Jam thing, we have a promoted show that is probably one of the coolest beginnings of next year. We have Sheer Terror, The Chisel, Wizard Machines, and they're doing an all Blood for Blood only set. Violent Way, Everyone's Friends End It, Very Dreams, the fight and please die January 14th. So a month later, we're all back at reverb hanging out, partying and doing it all over again with a completely different vibe and feel. So very excited about the possibilities of what we could put together in the future, what we've already done and just love the support and love being able to put our friends together, you know? So pretty fucking sick to be honest. Very cool. You know, very fucking happy. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for being a part of this performance that you're going to do. <laughs> like, we appreciate you. I appreciate you. Full on performance. I cannot wait. Going all perform. in. You better perform. Don't perform. I'm going all in. You better. Well, listen, I know you got family and shit to do. I love you. Thank you for walking us through the Keystone Jam lineup. And, um, I'll see you in the pit, motherfucker. Uh, one more time, hey. pop, pop that leeway show you guys are playing um, tomorrow. The show that this podcast comes out Friday, your show will be Saturday, December third. So pop, pop and tell us what's good with the leeway show that you're playing. Saturday, December third, we're playing in Amityville at the AMH with the leeway sector, Hangman, um, Wrong Move. It's gonna be a very cool show. Uh, thanks to Sharky for having us. And then, of course, December 17th, we're playing at the Keystone Jam. Hold my own. Oh, and then actually on January 27th, announcing this today, uh, we're doing Pain of Truth, End It, Restraining Order, Threat to Society, and Hold My Own at the Trinity Church in Asbury Park, New Jersey. That'll be a cool show. 15 bucks, cash only, show up. What day is be that? There. Friday, January 27th. That is the night before the GUI shows. Yep. Excellent. So if you got already, you're on your way to the East Coast and you want to go ahead and you want to get one more show in or you couldn't get to that show, one more show. I saw the videos from the Raw Brigade show. It looked fucking sick. And uh, good on you for continuing booking shows in New Jersey. 
I love your brother, and I can't wait to talk to you more in person about all this. I well, can't wait. Love you. Thank you for having me. Peace. Later. Listen, some of the stuff that we were talking about in fun, it's in jest, a great way to talk about Keystone Jam. Ultimately, that was the goal tonight. I hope that we see you all. You can follow us at at Keystone HC Jam on Instagram. Obviously, I stuttered in the beginning, but if you want to follow us, Philly HC Shows at Instagram and Twitter, you can go to Philly hcshows.com or philly-shows.com you can follow me at the at the joe hardcore twitter and instagram and um obviously t-i-h-c fest on twitter and this is hardcore fest on instagram be sure checking out 185 miles south great fucking podcast the best in hardcore um, haven't heard anything much about post America podcast. We tried to get a rule of three together, but couldn't pull it off yet. Broad street breakdown. They had a new episode. Make sure you're checking it out. I heard good things about the hard lore podcast. And, um, I seen some shit with Jamie Ork and his purple hair. Make sure you listen to cool podcasts. Make sure you're supporting real hardcore shows. Make sure you're to listen to awesome, cool, great hardcore bands. And, Thank you for supporting the podcast with the rap thing. Got a lot of screenshots of people saying that that was the number one podcast they listened to, which is this hardcore podcast. That makes me very happy. I'm going to try to do a better job of keeping these things coming. Thank you for the support. And next week, 100 episode, number 100. Technically, I'm probably way overdue for that, but with a couple weeks here and there off, it is what it is better late than ever. Go to TIACpodcast.com for show notes. Take care. Thank you again. Don't sleep on these shows. Bye-bye.